Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. I'm Steve Casillo with the March 22nd, 2023, 165th edition, always broadcasting from the Selmark Studios, along with Colleen Daniel and the About Mansfield news team. Coming up today, it's Mansfield news and weather for the upcoming week. And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to a Mansfield restaurant of your choice with our Mansfield trivia question courtesy of Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. Mansfield Fire receives elite insurance rating. Citizens Fire Academy holds open enrollment. Chief Nursing Officer honored with leadership awards. Mayor Michael Evans recaps a short but jam-packed council meeting in a moment with the mayor. We have the seven-day weather forecast. And in the talk segment, Steve revisits a conversation with former Mansfield ISD school board member Karen Marcucci about what makes a good school board trustee. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. I'm Dr. Benita Reed running for MISD School Board. I firmly believe that our neighborhood schools are part of the nucleus that makes a strong community. As a parent and teacher, I see firsthand how an investment into students leads them back to investing in their community. I'm asking for your vote to help keep our Mansfield schools focused on the right priorities to support student success and provide teachers the tools they need. Early voting is April 24th through May 2nd. Election day is Saturday, May 6th. Read more at readformisd.com. Political advertising paid for by Dr. Benita Reed Campaign. Hi, this is Paul Duncan with Trinity Roofing and Construction. There are over 7,500 roofers in the North Texas area. And when a major hailstorm blows through town, that number skyrockets with companies as far away as Montana. In the planning stages of re-roofing your home, it's normal for customers to ask questions such as, where are they based out of and how many years experience do they have roofing in North Texas? Trinity Roofing and Construction can answer each of these questions with confidence. As a family-owned, Mansfield-based business since 2011, Trinity Roofing and Construction recently received a Product Excellence Award by Owens Corning and are a Platinum Preferred Contractor with Owens Corning. Contact us today for a free, no-obligation video roof inspection. Rated A-plus with the Better Business Bureau, Trinity Roofing and Construction, a Mansfield company, not only replacing roofs, but building relationships. Find us on the web at trinityroofingconstruction.com. That's trinityroofingconstruction.com. No matter your familiarity with buying or selling real estate, having an experienced, trusted advisor on speed dial is priceless. The Roger and Beth team of Century 21 Judge Fight is here to be that resource for you. Whether you're buying right here in Mansfield or your dreams are taking you elsewhere, we are ready to help you with turning that vision into a reality. To learn more, visit our website at homesinmansfield.com. That's homesinmansfield.com. I'm Jason Moore, Executive Director of Mansfield Economic Development Corporation, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. Mansfield Fire is now part of 1% of fire departments in the nation to receive the highest rating from the Insurance Services Office. Mansfield's fire rating was upgraded from ISO 2 to the superior ISO 1. The rating is based on a comprehensive review of how prepared a community is to respond to fires. The Insurance Services Office scores fire preparedness on criteria including emergency communications, the fire department's abilities and services, water supply, and community risk reduction. 
This top rating shows Mansfield's commitment to safety, its focus on noteworthy essentials, and the organizational excellence of personnel in fire and water services. An ISO score has the power to affect the insurance premium of every homeowner in the area and can even cause an insurer to deny you coverage in some circumstances. The new rating goes into effect on July 1st. And speaking of Mansfield Fire calling, the Citizens Fire Academy has opened enrollment for their next round of courses. The Academy is free, open to Mansfield adult residents, and hosts classes every Tuesday night from 6 to 9 p.m. for eight consecutive weeks starting on April 11th. Course highlights include department, organization, and operation, firefighter safety and protective gear, home and business fire safety, mobile emergency medical services, vehicle extrication, and participation in a live burn. The Citizens Fire Academy program was designed to open the lines of communication between the Mansfield Fire Department and the community. Complete Academy applications must be submitted by April 5th. You can also apply online, and if you would like to do that, visit our website, aboutmansfield.com and click on the links tab. Methodist Mansfield Medical Center's Vice President and Chief Nursing Officer Nora Frazier was honored with the 2022 Excellence in Leadership Award from the Texas Organization for Nursing Leadership. Ms. Frazier earned the award for her significant contribution as a nurse executive who demonstrates the ability to relate and connect with nursing staff through unique and effective ways and her involvement in the community. Additionally, the Texas Hospital Association selected Frazier as one of 23 notable women in Texas hospitals, healthcare, and public policy. Ms. Frazier has been a registered nurse for more than 30 years and has served as a nurse executive for more than 20 years. She joined Methodist Mansfield in 2014 and has led the hospital through the COVID pandemic. Mansfield City Council held a regularly scheduled meeting on Monday evening. The following opinions of those of Michael Evans may not necessarily reflect those of the Mansfield City Council. It is... Tuesday morning, and we say welcome to Mayor Michael Evans. Steve, as always, thank you for having me today. And we call this A Moment with the Mayor, and we start off, uh, of course, we do this every other week, a recap of of Monday night's, uh, well, in this case, starting at 3 o'clock Monday afternoon's work session. What happened there? That is correct. Uh, We heard uh, from uh, Raymond Kaufman. Uh, We received an update uh, regarding the uh, roadway impact uh, fees. You know, we want for new projects uh, to pay for themselves. We want to make sure that we don't ever uh, allow for the residents, taxpayers of Mansfield to bear uh, the burden uh, of uh, uh, infrastructure and roads. Uh, We want to make sure that um, those folks who are coming into town to build uh, new structures, new buildings or what have you, new neighborhoods, that, uh, um, again, they pay for those developments and uh, the burden is is not on the backs of of our folks who live in Mansfield already. So uh, we're discussing uh, the um, raising uh, the increasing uh, uh, fees for um, the impact. So uh, that, that's important. And we hope to have some um, um, definitive answers in about two weeks. And we'll right. be talking about that then. Seven o'clock came around, time for the regular meeting and the uh, the HOT, the Hotel Occupancy Tax Funds 
policy was amended. It was. Uh, council approved the uh, March 9th hotel motel occupancy uh, tax funds policy and uh, also uh, uh, allocations. Uh, what has happened uh, now that the city has total control over the lot, uh, we want to make sure that um, dollars that uh, were given uh, to the uh, to the lot from the hotel motel occupancy uh, dollars that uh, they now are reinvested back into the lot and we can use those dollars for programming. And um, we hope to have a great fun at the lot every weekend. That's the goal now. There you go. Uh, let's talk about staff comments. Yeah. Uh, in 2022, uh, we uh, had our annual comprehensive financial report uh, given to us by the auditing firm of Forvis and the uh, full 2022 annual annual comprehensive uh, report was given to us and it is available on the website. So any any of our um, citizens can go online and they can read uh, the uh, the financial report. Uh, again, hey, the, the uh, citizens are the uh, taxpayers. They are the stakeholders. And I invite them to go and check that out on the website. And you know, Michael, uh, those that listen to about Mansfield, we have the we have the most intelligent listeners here in Mansfield because I'm sure every one of them know that there's an election coming up on May 6th, and part of that is uh, a couple of propositions regarding sales tax. And you had a sales tax election uh, presentation. Yes, uh, Monday uh, night. Listen, um, Steve, our, our city council. Uh, has called a special election for Saturday, May the 6th, 2023. And and we're asking voters to consider two propositions. Uh, These two propositions are regarding the allowable uses for the existing half-cent sales tax uh, by the uh, Mansfield Economic Development Corporation. And, And it's important to understand that we're just asking for the authority to be more flexible with these dollars that we have already. This is not, 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 not a new tax. This is not a sales tax increase. None of that. This is just seeking authority from the residents to allow those dollars to be used so that we can attract uh, those businesses that bring those remarkable experiences. Like even a stadium complex is a possibility. Can you think uh, about any world where Mansfield would have Maybe its own sports team, professional Hmm. sports team. Well, it's a possibility uh, with this kind of a thing. I'm just saying. I'm I'm wondering what the the name of that team, the Mansfield Pickles? (laughs) Well, you know what? We did have an outstanding pickle parade, so uh, I don't see why (laughs) it couldn't be named that. We'll let the folks decide, though. The uh, uh, chief of police, Tracy Aaron, had a presentation on Monday night. He did. He did. And and on a a more serious note. Yes, sir. uh, Listen... Chief Tracy Aaron uh, came before the council and uh, he gave us an update on the March 13th incident at Catherine Rose Memorial Park. And Steve, I want to extend uh, my deepest gratitude uh, to the men and women in blue here in the Mansfield uh, Police Department. They always go above and beyond. And also, uh, you know, we can't leave out our fire and first responders. They go above and beyond to keep our community safe. Uh, while I was um, was was out of the country on spring break, uh, I also want to thank um, Councilman uh, Mayor Pro Tem Todd Tenor, upstanding man, and the rest of the members of our council and city staff uh, for the really for the outstanding uh, commitment. You can see I'm using that word a whole lot because it's true. Uh, 
We are committed to transparency and communication with our residents. Uh, we made sure that after this particular uh, fiasco uh, took place, that uh, uh, we were right there in front of our residents, uh, giving them the information that they needed. And, and I also want to say this, you know, I, I appreciate the emails and the calls uh, when I when I got back into town on Saturday of, of folks who were somewhat uh bothered or disheartened by some of the, the, the real nasty and negative things that people were saying. Uh, let me say this uh, to, to your listening audience, because you are right. Uh, those who listen to this podcast are the most intelligent, and they are. You have an awesome audience. Thank you. Uh, please know that we understand that you're always going to have some people out there who, who's going to be negative, and um, they will say things that uh, will attempt to, to stoke a, a, a fire that need not be stoked. But that, that is really, that represents a minority in regard to the views and viewpoints of the folks who live in Mansfield. Mansfield is a growing and a, a more diverse city, continues to be so. But here's some of the things that we have in common. We have more in common than, than otherwise. Yeah. We all want a safe community to a person. We all want to make sure that we've got good road streets, you know, all of that, and and definitely remarkable experiences, a great school district, a, a great park system. These are things that we share together. So um, for those who wrote, hey, thank you, bless you, but uh, understand that we, we hear more positives than negatives most times. So all is well. Mansfield is a unified place, and we continue to move forward. Let's get into the consent agenda. Uh, what uh, what took place there? Well, you know, we approved 13 items on the consent agenda, including the approval of an uh, agreement with uh, Quorum Architect for design services for an animal control facility and expansion of the service center in an amount not to exceed $1 million. And um, after that, then we went into our public hearing. All right. Yeah. So in regard to the public hearing, let me let me speak to this one. Uh, we heard about a, a zoning change for single family residential district and planned development district uh, to um, uh, we, we, we wanted we wanted to to hear the applicant as they brought forth a proposal to our council and that would um, bring about a development on approximately 9.77 acres located at 1725 East Broad Street and 257 Carlin Road. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the shops at Broad. And I think it's important that uh, we also note that the current approved uh, plan development is for this space, for this space rather, allows 330 uh, units, uh, should this project be moved forward. So uh, it was approved in its first reading on last night. Uh, these, again, are uh, apartments that were previously approved in regard to zoning years ago. What we said was we need to make sure that they that they look good. So it's going to have enhanced architectural features and also a uh, parking garage uh, at the shops at Broad. And um, we're also working to calm traffic there. And we want to do something about all of that cement that's out there sure. <laughs> at the uh, shops. And uh, I think folks are going to start seeing seeing some some other uh, improvements 
to the area. The shops need to come alive. Yeah, what a benefit for the shops abroad to have 300 units right there. That What do they call that? Built-in consumers. Built-in consumers, that, yeah. That uh, when the movie theater comes and... and there you it, go. It, it, that it's, it's just going it, to happen. It's going to pop. There you go. And it needs to pop because, again, we want to make sure that we, that we lighten the tax burden on our residents. And that will start that ball to rolling. You also had another zoning change uh, that you talked about. We did. Uh, uh, we had another public hearing and first reading on a zoning change from single family residential district to plan development uh, district four C2, which is community business district uh, based commercial uses on 2.9 acres of land located southeast of the intersection of Grand Meadows Boulevard and North Holland Road on property at 700 North Holland Road. And, um, Council table this one indefinitely. There's a lot of work that needs to be done there, and um, we'll just see what it looks like if it ever comes back to us or not. Let's uh, let's round the corner, head for home. Let's go ahead and finish out what took place uh, for the rest of the night at, at council. Yeah, moving on to new business, uh, we approved the uh, recall of a member of the Tarrant County Appraisal District uh, Board of Directors. And um, we then proceeded to discuss a request uh, for support uh, uh, for a a Tarrant County State Hospital study, a Tarrant County State Hospital study to see what the needs are yeah. uh, here in the county. And uh, we approved uh, the measure ourselves. And then uh, finally, uh, the council discussed uh, possible action uh, regarding uh, an appointment to uh, the uh, Planning and Zoning Commission. Actually, uh, we uh, approved uh, for a new person to come on to the Planning and Zoning uh, Commission, and that will be Mr. Michael Bennett. So that was it. That was the meeting. That was Monday, and you got out by 8.45. We did, we did, we <laughs> did. I tell you, it's it's good if you are able to run a proficient meeting. There you go. That was Monday night. That's uh, a moment with the mayor. Michael Evans, go forth and have a great day. We'll uh, see you in a couple of weeks. See you then, sir. You take care. Saturday, March 25th is National Medal of Honor Day, established by Congress to foster public appreciation and recognition of Medal of Honor recipients. To its recipients, the Medal of Honor represents more than recognition of combat actions. Instead, it symbolizes the sacrifices of those we served alongside and those who came before us. Each year on this day, Medal of Honor recipients lay a wreath at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier in Arlington National Cemetery. The unknowns buried here are each Medal of Honor recipients. Out of the 41 million people who have served the U.S. military, the medal has been presented to just over 3,500 service members who went above and beyond the call of duty. Among these recipients, 19 are double awardees. The medal was first signed into law in 1861. Yeah, during the Civil War. Currently, only 65 recipients are still among the living. So this Saturday, take a moment to remember those who have earned the highest award for military valor in action. Let's check the weather forecast for the upcoming week. 
Here's Colleen. Let's take a look at the weather for the next seven days in Mansfield, Texas. It's going to be breezy all week. We have a cold front coming through Thursday that's going to bring us an 80% chance of rain overnight Thursday into Friday, allegedly with only a low risk of severe weather as of this recording. We're looking at a high of 82 degrees Wednesday, 80 degrees Thursday, 75 degrees Friday, 76 degrees Saturday, 78 degrees Sunday, 69 degrees Monday, and 70 degrees on Tuesday. Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the feature section. You've heard of real estate contingencies. I'm Beth Steinke, and today on the Mansfield Real Estate Report, we are going to dive into the three most common contingencies in a real estate transaction. In this week's Cocktail of the Week segment, I'll be talking about a cocktail that I bet will become a spring and summertime special at your home. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. I'm Philip Washington, Chief Investment Officer of Stonehill Wealth Management and host of the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast. First book I read in college was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it changed my life. And since then, I've read tons and tons of books on money. And what I've done is taken those lessons, simplified them, and I talk about those lessons on my podcast, Wealth Building Made Simple. So come hang out with us. We're on every major platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube. Wealth Building Made Simple. At Methodist Health System, every person we treat is a vital part of the communities we call home. Table for two. That's why we're dedicated to exceptional, innovative care. From robotic surgery and advanced oncology to helping you find a healthier path. And hold that pose. Three, two, one. Being there when and where our neighbors need us. The doctor will be right in. That's community. And why so many people... Trust Methodist. The housing market is evolving as interest rates rise to meet inflation. Speculation abounds as to what the future may hold. Do you have a trusted advisor? The Roger and Beth team at Century 21 Judge Fight should be your first call in all matters concerning real estate and the market. We specialize in residential real estate for both buyers and sellers. With industry partners across North America, our resources and expertise can turn the home you've been envisioning into a reality. Visit our website at homesinmansfield.com to learn more. That's homesinmansfield.com. Congratulations to our latest trivia question winner, Shelby Patterson. Last week, we asked, what was the population of Mansfield, Texas in 1880? Shelby was the first to correctly reply with a population of 249, and she has won a $25 gift card to the restaurant of her choice. Here's a fun fact. In 1880, Texas was the 18th largest state in the 37-state union with just over 1.1 million people. Galveston was the largest city at that time with 22,000. By comparison, Texas is now the second largest state with over 20 million people, and Galveston has fallen from number one to 69th place with a population of just over 53,000. When we come back, this week's trivia question, this is about Mansfield. Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio 
3.0. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield podcast episodes. What started out as an audio-only studio, Podcast Mansfield is now a full-service audio and video recording studio, complete with custom green screen backgrounds, two high-definition cameras, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities, and we can also help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows, such as Wealth Building Made Simple, We Are TPM, and Wealth Think Tank Television, just to name a few. So whether you're a hands-on person or just need a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is here to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway just off of 287 right here in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and you get to record your first episode at no charge. For more information on starting your podcast, or if you're looking for a better place to record, Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. Hi, this is Joe Jenkins with Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance, specializing in auto, home, commercial, and life insurance. I was born and raised here in Mansfield, Texas. We're active in the community, and Mansfield's a town we really care about. Our office has over 30 years' experience in the insurance industry, and we're passionate about what we do and about customer service. For a free quote, please visit our website at joejenkinsinsurance.com or give us a call at 817-472-6058. Once again, that website is joejenkinsinsurance.com. It is time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular About Mansfield trivia question. If you are the first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com, you will receive a $25 gift card to a Mansfield restaurant of your choice. Brought to you by Joe Jenkins Insurance. Whether you're looking for homeowners, auto, commercial, or any other type of insurance, Joe has helped Mansfield area residents understand the insurance coverage that best fit their needs since 2010. You can find him on the internet at joejenkinsinsurance.com. And as I mentioned, week after week, not every winner submits their answer on Wednesdays. So if you're listening on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whenever, give it a shot. You might be taking home a $25 restaurant gift card. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, many longtime Mansfield residents have fond memories of the Cowbell Arena, which was located where Legacy High School now sits. The arena was established in 1958, and the Cowbell Indoor Rodeo opened in 1959 with year-round events every Saturday night. This week's trivia question is, who established the Cowbell Indoor Rodeo? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, who established the Cowbell Indoor Rodeo? Good luck, and thanks to Joe Jenkins Insurance for the gift card. Hi, I'm Paula Giamma Morales, Tarrant County Jury Bailiff, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section. Realtor Beth Steinke is talking contingencies in the Mansfield real estate market update. There are a ton of contingencies in the Texas real estate purchase contracts, hurdles that must be satisfied in order for the home sale to close. There are minor ones like receiving the HOA documents or getting the survey completed and the title company issuing the title policy. Of course, they aren't minor if something goes wrong, but in general, those are the minor ones. But the three most common contingencies are the inspection contingency, the financing contingency, and the home sale contingency. That's when a buyer has a home that has to be sold in order to complete the new purchase. Let's talk about the inspection contingency first. 
In reality, that's not how we word it here in Texas, but it is common to hear it referred to as that in other parts of the country or a due diligence period. In fact, in Texas, we call it an option period, and it isn't exactly tied to the inspection at all. At the time of offer, a period of days is requested by the buyer to evaluate the home and the purchase, and they have the option to terminate, hence the option period. Typically, we would see that set at five or seven days. And to complicate matters further, it is a requirement in Texas that the buyers provide valuable consideration for that option to terminate. That's legal speak for money. The buyer has to pay the seller an agreed upon amount of money to reserve the right to terminate during that time. And they can do so for any reason. Sounds easy. Yes, and it is the clause that most contracts are terminated under. But it is costly for the buyers, even though they are entitled to their earnest money deposit back when they terminate under that option period. In fact, they'll be out the option fee that they paid and for any inspections that they performed. Tallied up, that can be close to $1,000 or more. The next most common type of contingency is for any deal that is not a cash deal, and that is the financing contingency. In the financing contingency, there are two things that have to happen in order for the buyer to move forward. They have to be approved by their lender, and the house has to be approved by the lender as well. I bet you're thinking, wait, what? Yes, the house goes through an underwriting process too, but more on that in a moment. The buyer has a set number of days agreed upon in the contract to obtain financing. That is the process, well, I like to call it a forensic accounting of your life that looks all the way down to the minutia of your bank's transaction, verifying your employment, making sure that you've not missed listing a debt that's outstanding. Somewhere between 14 and 21 days is the most typical for the financing approval. If the buyer is unable to obtain financing approval during that time frame, they can terminate the contract and get their earnest money deposit back. The financing contingency also sets a ceiling on the interest rate. Let's say you're pre-approved at 6.5% interest and you make an offer on a property and your offer is accepted. Now you go back to your lender only to find out that interest rates are now 7% and you can't or don't want to proceed. The contingency hurdle is not satisfied at that point and the buyer is able to terminate the contract and get their earnest money back. Now back to the part about the house needing to pass underwriting. That's the appraisal. The house will need to appraise for the contracted price or be renegotiated to an agreeable compromise, or the house will go back on the market and the deal is dead. When the appraiser comes out to visit the house, they are looking at the house to make sure it is structurally sound, working to protect the financial investment of the bank and the buyer. They can call out required repairs that must be remedied before closing. I say required, but the seller isn't actually required to make those repairs. However, usually by this point in the transaction, most sellers want to do what it takes to get the house sold. Once the buyer and the house are past the financing contingency, then it's usually smooth sailing on to closing. Now, the home sale contingency is a big one. It's never been super easy to convince a seller that they should take an offer with a contingency for home sale, but during the last two and a half to three years, the market changed so dramatically that buyers with a home sale contingency, meaning they had to sell their existing home before they could buy the new one, it was virtually impossible. 
Today, it is more possible to get an offer accepted with a home sale contingency. Probably not on the first day it's on the market, unless you're willing to financially incentivize the seller to take your offer and remove the house from the market. But if the house has been on the market for a few weeks, then you may have a shot at getting your home sale contingency offer accepted. Why do sellers dislike an offer with a home sale contingency so much? Well, here's why. First of all, home sale contingencies come in different flavors, or maybe better put, different grades of goodness and not so goodness. The weakest type is when the home buyer doesn't even have their home on the market yet. I mean, I get it. Buyers don't want to be homeless, so they want to find a house before they put their house on the market. I mean, it seems reasonable, right? Well, no, it really isn't. That seller has no idea how well you're going to price it or what condition your home is in. And once they sign up to go on your wild ride, they can be pretty stuck. I will typically advise a seller that receives an offer like this not to accept it. However, to let the buyer know that we'll hold their offer while they get their home on the market, which will upgrade their contingency from a grade D to a grade C. A home sale contingency offer from a buyer with a home on the market but not yet under contract is still a pretty risky venture for a seller. Is the buyer going to reduce the price until they get an offer? Well, the seller doesn't have any control of this process at all. They just have to wait and watch, and that's no place to be. But once the home is under contract, I'd give that a grade B because your buyer's buyer now has to get past all of their contingencies that we just learned about. And what if that buyer has a house to sell? Well, now we're really in a mess if someone opens up a new credit card to save 15% off at the store. All the dominoes can fall. The best type of home sale contingency is when a buyer's home is on the market, under contract, past all contingencies, and just waiting to close. Now, I will give that one an A+. Much less risk for our sellers to accept. We do have programs to remove the home sale contingencies for folks that have to sell one home in order to buy the next one, so don't worry. We've got tools in our toolkit to make that as stress-free as possible. Now let's get to this week's Mansfield Real Estate Market Update. As of March 20th, there are 99 active and available homes for sale in Mansfield, excluding new construction. Homes this week range from $225,000, with a list topping out at nearly $1.2. Several have been on the market for over 200 days, but homes that are well prepared for market and priced right are selling very quickly. Builders are offering significant incentives to reduce interest rate on new construction purchases, so if you've been thinking about buying new construction, now is a good time to start that process, as we have many neighborhoods in Mansfield actively building and offering great deals to buyers. Do you have a real estate question I can answer? Send me a message via email to info at aboutmansfield.com. For the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Beth Steinke with Century 21 Judge Fight. Shaken or stirred. Either way, you know it's going to be good, as Brian Certain serves up another Cocktail of the Week. This week's Cocktail of the Week is the Batched Texas Sunset. Today, I'm starting a new series on batched cocktails. With spring being here in my house, that means more evenings will be filled with friends coming over and entertaining in the backyard. With the fire pit going, cornhole out, and getting the grill ready to cook dinner, but taking time to make cocktails individually all night long will wear me out and make me miss part of the evening. So my solution is to make batched cocktails that are super easy and fun to make. So what does a batch cocktail mean? 
Batching cocktails or making them by the pitcher or the bottle means that when you're hosting, you don't have to be filling shakers, knocking over bitters, rattling ice, and accidentally squirting yourself in the eye with lemon juice. The drinks are already pre-made. Dinner will come later, so you now just get to pour and enjoy your guest. But just like our last series on freezer door cocktails, doing batch cocktails takes a little math to make it work. But the process is pretty simple. First off, in making a gallon batch, that's 128 ounces. Obviously, if you're using a half gallon, you can easily do the math there. But you need to get the formula for the cocktail. In our first cocktail in this series, the formula is a two-part, four-part, one-part, one-part. Or more simply said, in this particular cocktail, it's two ounces of bourbon, four ounces of limeade, one ounce of triple sec, and one ounce of peach schnapps. I first introduced you to this week's cocktail, The Texas Sunset, on our podcast. For the listeners, that was back on July 14th, 2021. If you want to go back and read more about the creation of this magical cocktail, I'd encourage you to go back into the Bourbon Gospel archives and look for it. But as always, don't worry about taking notes, and I'll be giving out the ingredients and instructions and always posting them on bourbongospel.com. So the batch made Texas Sunset. You're going to need 32 ounces of a good bourbon. As always, I suggest Evan Williams Bottled and Bond. You're going to need 64 ounces of Simply Limeade. You're going to need 14 ounces of Triple Sec or other orange liqueur and 14 ounces of peach schnapps. You're going to need now need about four to six pumps of a good jalapeno extract. I use the Amaretti jalapeno extract, but a note of caution, a little goes a long way, so start small. You can always add more afterwards. And then you're going to need a splash of raspberry liqueur. The directions. Pour all the ingredients except the raspberry liqueur into one gallon container. Shake well. Put in your fridge until ready to serve. To serve it, I get an outdoor beverage dispenser with a metal stand, and I pour that batch cocktail into the dispenser. To serve the individual portions, you're going to fill the glass with ice and then fill the cocktail in the glass with the ice and then top with the raspberry liqueur. Cheers. As always, I'm open to hear your take and your input. You can reach me at the new Brian at bourbongospel.com. And speaking of Bourbon Gospel, we've just completed a relaunch of our website. I'd invite you to go and register for our updates and articles. Every week, our Cocktail of the Week will then be delivered directly to your inbox every Wednesday. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and even TikTok. But until next week, as Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. Hi, I'm Amanda Rogers, Managing Editor of the Mansfield Record, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And in the studio today, because it is election season, Karen Marcucci, welcome to About Mansfield. Thanks so much for letting me be here to speak to you today. You know what? I should I should say welcome back. Okay, because you I'm are. Uh, it makes me feel like hotter. I like that. So. You're now a two. You're now a two timer. <laughs> I know. I. So are you going to be like um, Saturday Night Live? Going to get the vest? Right for when you five become times? when you become a five, I'll give you a smoking jacket. And I love it. I love right. it. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> First of all, let's let's talk about you and why I brought you here to uh, today and. Because the topic today is what makes a good school board trustee? 
You've been on the school board for how long? I've been on for almost nine years. So when you finish your term, it will be a full nine years. Yes. And you went from uh, from freshman uh, school board trustee all the way up to president. You were president for how many years? Uh, two and a half years. We're only supposed to do two years, and then COVID came in, and I got that extra half year. <laughs> nice. nice. That uh, two, uh, two and a half years as president. And the reason you're here today is to give your opinion of what you feel makes a good school board trustee. Steve, I appreciate that because this is something I've thought about for a long time because when I ran for school board the first time, um, I ran because I cared deeply about my community but really didn't have a strong sense of understanding of exactly what a trustee does and what would be expected of me. And um, since then, I've really tried hard to meet with different candidates and give them a better idea of what it is that a trustee does. And I've been thinking about it a lot since I am not going to be running for re-election. What am I looking for in a new trustee, you know, right. to, to fill that spot. And so, um, yeah, I've got lots of thoughts on that and have been trying to um, wrap my head around it to try to help myself figure out who I'm going to vote for. And I know you and I had talked about that. Um, I'd love to share the information that I've come up with and see if that helps other people decide who they'll vote for as well. Well, wouldn't the answer to what makes a good school board trustee just be Karen Marcucci? Well, I am flattered, <laughs> but I would say no, because if you had a whole board of Karen Marcucci's, that would be a terrible school district. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a terrible school district. I think that um, that's one of the powers uh, that we have with um, the trustee system. The way that that works is that it really allows for diversity of uh, viewpoints and opinions. And I think you get better responses when you have a little bit more uh, diversity when you're looking at uh, problems and trying to come up with solutions. So those that are elected as a trustee, now, and they're also representatives. What's the difference between a trustee and a representative? So they're not representatives. And this is one of the things that um, I first really started to look at when I was looking at running for um, trustees. Why are we called trustees? Why are we not called representatives? And it's really because um, those that are elected to serve on the school board should consider themselves guardian of the public trust. Um they have information and insight into the community's youth and decisions that need to be made. They have more information that's being shared with them. So you need to elect somebody that you actually trust to make the best decision for the kids of the district. Is um, that why they're called a trustee? And that's why they're called a trustee, whereas okay. a representative may just represent certain viewpoints um, that you have, but those... Um, viewpoints that you represent may not serve the best interest of all of the students. Right. And so um, trustees kind of take it a step further. Um, certainly, you'll represent certain views and values, you know, that you come with, but you're being entrusted to make the best decision for all of the students of the school district, regardless of what your views are. Let's get into the specifics of a trustee the school board meets on Tuesday nights. Once a month, Once right? A month. Sounds easy. Oh, <laughs> so this is what, about a three-hour-a-month commitment for a trustee? What does a an MISD trustee do? 
Well, we have pretty high expectations for our trustees. And one is we actually do expect attendance at all of the meetings. And if you look at last month's meeting, we actually approved the calendar for the next year. So all special called meetings to set tax rates and things like that have already been uh, published on a calendar. So there is the expectation that you will certainly do that once a month meeting, that you'll show up and that you'll show up well prepared. And um, it takes a few hours to kind of go through all the material that is being presented. Um, Believe it or not, when the agenda gets published to the public, that's when the trustees get all that information as well. So my Friday nights are the most amazing Friday nights before a board meeting. I sit down and I start reading through that agenda and I start thinking about any questions that I might have, clarification, and I start preparing an email to the superintendent so that I can find out um, additional details that kind of stuff on Monday. So I'm prepared for the meeting on Tuesday. And sometimes you'll notice that presentations change a little bit from Friday to Tuesday. And a lot of that is because trustees said, I don't understand this. This isn't real clear. And so they'll add some additional information just so we have the best possible information. Um, the other thing that you need to remember, too, is that we have a lot of committee meetings that we um, attend. We have we review our policy on a regular basis. We um, have representatives that serve on the Education Foundation. We serve on technology committees. I mean, there's a lot of committees that we're involved in. And then we also have um, training requirements. So you should go talk to your city council members about the training that's required of them. Training. Wait, so you don't just show up two hours a month the, what kind, What type of training do they go through? Well, it's really unique because it's unique to school board members only. So that's why I made my little dig at the city council because yeah. they are not required to do that. A first uh, year trustee is required to have more than 20 hours of training. That involves lo- local district orientation, Open Meetings Act training, um, training on the Texas Education Code, um, training on human trafficking. I mean, there is just all kinds of training that's required for these new trustees. Wow. With the training and the different uh, committees and what, it, it, it really helps if you have maybe some knowledge of finance, some knowledge of technology, some knowledge of education, a well-rounded person makes a good trustee. That That is true. But I'll also say that that's why a whole board of Karen Marcucci's would be a terrible <laughs> idea, because um, that's where the board comes in handy, because you've got so many people with such diverse backgrounds and knowledge. They help make better decisions for the district. Um, I know you'll be shocked to find this out, but like Randall Kennedy, who's president of a bank, he has served on our finance committee and he has brought very thoughtful questions that I never would have thought of. And so it's been great to have such a variety of different people on the board to be able to look at issues in very different ways. And so not only having that that experience in technology, finance, and that, 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 but... um, would diversity on the board also be important? Because there is, our community is diverse. We do have a Hispanic community, a black community, a Caucasian community, as well as an Asian community. Is that, How important is that on the board? I think it's important, but I think the biggest um, thing to value is uh, the diversity of thought. Yeah, um, I think you know I, I don't want to pigeonhole anybody to any one thing, but the, the but the diversity of thought I think is very important. But I do think you bring up some very good points because um, 
the schools all look very different across the entire district. And I am more on the Western side of things. My three daughters um, are in school at three different high schools. So that does mm-hmm. give me a little bit of diversity in thought. But there are several high schools that my kids don't go to um, that are very different than the ones that my daughters do attend. And I love to go to events there and learn more about it. But you genuinely do need um, people that care deeply about their community and care enough to go find parts of that community that they're not currently involved in. How do you know who will make a good trustee? Well, the very basics, I think, would be include what we just referred to earlier, time. Do they have the time to put into it? Do they have the time to do the trainings? Do they have the time to listen to different thoughts, respond to emails, do the trainings and all of that? But then I also think you have to look about their um, qualifications. Because here's a fun fact for you. I have no background in education, but that makes me a good board member because I don't actually run the district. But you are a highly educated person. Well, that's because I value education. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I do think that that's important. Even if the person doesn't have the degrees, if they value education, I do think that that's critical. But my point is, is that um, board member, members need to understand their role as a board member. Board members, um, they look at governance and policy making, not day-to-day operations. And the classic example that they teach you in all the training is that board members do not hire and fire the football coach. Right. Uh, That is definitely the superintendent's job. Our job is to tell the superintendent what's important to us. And if you look at Vision 2030, you can see what we value. We want to make sure that our kids are uh, ready for the next phase of their life. And we've got some specific metrics that we look at in order to do that. We want to make sure that our kids are reading on or above level. We want to make sure that they've got strong math skills. And so um, how they do it is up to the superintendent. But we tell them what our values are, and then the superintendent helps do the day-to-day operation. So I would encourage you to to um, make sure that your board members understand that. If they tell you that they're going to make sure that your kid gets a particular third grade math teacher, they're probably not going to be the best board board member Okay. because they don't really understand their role in that. Some of the other things that I think you should look at with a board member is, um, have they even attended a meeting? Do they know where the meetings are held? That's basic information. But you would be surprised at some of the candidates that did not or have not had that very basic experience yeah. of even knowing where a board meeting is being held. As as you know, I interview all of the candidates for city council and school board, and I've been doing that for the past three or four elections. And there were some city council candidates who said, when I asked them, have you been to a council meeting? Well, I watched them online. And I thought, oh, okay. It's a start. Uh, yeah, uh, right, right. But to actually know physically where the school board meets is that's a good start. It is a good start. And it's very basic, but I do think it's important to ask that. I think it's important to know if they've even spoken at a public meeting. I don't think that that's a requirement, but I think it gives you some insight as, you know, if they know how the system works. Have they been able to speak publicly at a meeting and what did they speak about? That should tell you a little bit more about where what their heart is, what their passion is, what they care a lot about because they cared enough to show up right. and speak publicly about it. And then, of course, you know, volunteering in the schools and in what capacity. Because, again, this just tells you more about the things that they're interested in and the things that they care about. Because I don't think anybody would be surprised to learn that um, 
I typically show up at a lot of STEM events. So science, technology, engineering, and math, that's something that I'm very passionate about. And it captures my interest. And so somehow I always seem to make the time for that, where I may not always make the time for other things. And that's just being honest with you. (laughs) I always get dragged into being a judge for reflections and more specifically the music composition uh, part of of reflections. And I think that's amazing. And I want to point out that I was not invited to help with the spelling bee this year. <laughs> and I think that there's a real reason for that. I am a terrible speller. <laughs> I always wanted, maybe, maybe, I don't know if you have an in, I would love to be the announcer of your word is saxophone, <laughs> saxophone. A reed instrument. I, I would love to do that. <laughs> okay, we'll have to find out somebody that can do that. But don't ask your school board member to do that for you, right? I'll do because <laughs> that, that that's more of the less of the governance side of things. But okay. uh, but, but but we'll try to get you connected with the right person on staff to do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And by the way, this year's spelling bee winning word was cornucopia. I would have been out way before that one. Way it's, before that one. <laughs> I think it was a. <laughs> third or fourth grader that that actually won that she very you could tell she spelled it with confidence and that's amazing not my gift or talent but probably she would be a good school board member to offer some diversity in that area there you go so what it uh, again um Continuing on that that theme of of what makes a good trustee, you had mentioned, you know, do they have time and are they qualified? Uh, do they understand the role that the school district plays in the community? I think is important too because uh, you know it's crazy because school used to be just about reading and writing and math and just the very basics, and then we started adding like food programs and things like that because we realized that there were hungry kids coming to school and they were having a hard time learning, and uh, you know we're. Uh, slowly but surely trying to figure out how to live with COVID and um, some of the medical issues that have come up. And there's been a real um, gap for our kids um, that is that they're struggling. I mean, they're truly struggling with um, mental health issues, but behavior issues and things like that. And so I think that it's important for a board member to really understand that the role the school plays in the community, because I do think that schools are going to play a key part in getting our kids prepared for the next phase of life, not just academically, but emotionally and all of that. So... Um, yeah, there's some some pretty big things there. And then I think we also, in this political age, have to look and see if people are being driven by special interest groups. Yeah. Because those do not benefit our kids at all. And again, Mansfield ISD has changed tremendously in the past nine years since I've been on the board. And um, we have really got to make sure that we're advocating for every single one of our students, that we're not leaving anyone behind. And so I think those are a few things that we need to look at in these board members is that they understand their role in all of that. What other information is important? Well, I think it's important to listen to all the candidate forums, going back to what we talked about with the trustees. Like, you really need to find someone that uh, you can trust. You can trust that they are making the very best decisions. And I think it's important to listen to what they're saying in these candidate forums with a critical ear so that you can hear, are they really advocating for all kids? Do they have special interest groups? Do they have the time? You know, just kind of reflecting on some of those things we talked about earlier. And I also think um, it's important to look at financial reports. As it's become more and more expensive to run for school board, I think it's good to see who's making contributions to these campaigns. And um, if your neighbor's on that list, go talk to your neighbor and find out why they're supporting that 
particular candidate yeah. and, you know, learn a little bit more about them. But, you know, we've had so many um, dollars come in from different places. Sometimes that gives you an indicator if there's some special interest groups that are coming into play. Um, but I think that those financial reports, and that's public information um, and should be readily available. I think that that's important. And then I would also encourage you to reach out directly to the candidates with any specific concerns that you have, because they are going to be serving um, as a trustee, and you want to be able to have that communication with them. And so that will give you a good indicator on how well they'll respond to questions to you going forward. And if a candidate is backed by a special interest group, then is is it wise for the voter to do some research on the special interest group and, and what is their agenda? Well, absolutely. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, I did receive quite a bit of money from the Arlington Board of Realtors when I've run. And I would encourage people to ask me about those donations because you know what? The Arlington Board of Realtors and I, we shared a lot of things in common. We were both very concerned about property values and making Mansfield ISD a place where people wanted to move. I mean, that was one of my goals as a board member was to make sure that our district was keeping up with our community. And so we had a lot of shared values and alignments. And so I was fine accepting that money from the Arlington Board of Realtors because we had a shared vision. And so, uh, yes, research those groups and find out, you know, how closely aligned the candidates are with those visions and ask them about it. What are some ways that the, whether the voters or the candidates, some ways that uh, that they can get involved in for instance, MISD Education Foundation? Well, that's one of the things that um, I, I want to encourage anybody. So let's say you don't want to run for school board. You know, you've listened to this, you realize, whatever, you don't have the time or something, but you still want to stay involved. Yes, there's so many things that you can do besides serve on the board to really benefit our kids. Serving on the Education Foundation is a huge one. Giving money to the Education down mm-hmm. Foundation is a great way because those grants go straight back into the classrooms to help the teachers help the kids. And I can't think of a better way to help students out. Um, you can do like what you do, Steve. You have a student that works with you here at the podcast. That's right. And so we can get you involved that way. Um, joining your local PTA is huge. Um, that makes a big difference. And the great thing about PTA, it says Parent Teacher Association, but you can be a community member. And our PTAs actually get awards if they get so many community members involved. So you can call your local school, even if you don't have a kid there, and ask about joining the PTA. And they'd be happy to let you do that. Um, we also have a program called um, Leadership Mansfield ISD. Donald Williams with the um, school district, he runs that. And it exposes you to a lot of different opportunities within the school district. And you could find out your best way to get plugged in and support our kids. But I'd be happy to talk to anybody about other opportunities to get involved. I'm always interested in leadership and leadership at Mansfield ISD. Is that like a leadership Mansfield or a... The city has a uh, a course called My Muniversity. This similar type thing, but it, it is very similar. But I I was fortunate to um, participate in the My Muniversity, mm-hmm. and if some people have been scared off by that because it's a lot of classes, but it's super fun and worth it. Uh, leadership, uh, the Mansfield ISD program is not quite as intensive as that one. Okay, but it is along the same veins, and it's still a really neat opportunity. Yeah, and Donald Williams, great guy. Shout out to uh, <laughs> the director of communications. Uh, Donald Williams at MISD. I, as as you know, as I, and I just mentioned it earlier, I interview all of the candidates, and I do intend. The invitations have already gone out to interview all ten 
of the the MISD school board trustee candidates. Give me two or three questions I should ask them. The the very basic ones obviously are why are you running, yeah. <laughs> and um, and also do you have the capacity to represent all students and just helping them think through the issues that they may have to address. Um, and that will vary depending on the candidates, but there are some issues that Mansfield ISD needs to be concerned about. But more importantly than just identifying the problems, do they have some solutions? So like teacher retention is something that's going to become a big issue across the entire state. And funding is an issue. And those two things kind of go hand in hand because we really don't have the additional funds to give to teachers. So we can't just keep giving them money to help them stay. So how are we going to retain our teachers? Um, you know, and if they don't identify that is a top issue. I mean, that's something to think about. That's my own personal opinion. I think that's something that they should be focused on. But I would certainly ask them um, about the issues, but then also ask what the solutions are going to be, because we do need people um, that come to the table with solutions, and they're willing to have the fortitude to implement those solutions as well. Right. It, it just like starting a business. You you start a business because there's a problem, and you are, you've got the solution. Yes. And the school board is in a sense, a very large business. And the the great thing about the school board, too, is that um, a candidate may have a solution, but it may not be the best solution. And yeah. that's where it's so great, is that if they can co- clearly communicate a problem and an idea to solve it, and then they can get the other board members with their diverse viewpoints and um, their immense knowledge of the community and all involved on it, they will come up with a great solution. And I just want to touch on this a little bit. And I know we've talked about this before, but why does the school board have so many unanimous votes when we vote on things? And my theory on that is that ideas um, are usually presented to the board in one meeting. We don't typically have an idea presented to us and vote on the same night, but ideas are typically presented to the board. And then the board has a chance to really think about that, look at it from different viewpoints. All the board members have the opportunity to do that. That. We get with the superintendent and share our thoughts on that. So they have an idea of how to refine that solution. And they come forward sometimes many months later with a well thought out plan that we all feel comfortable voting for because we've all had the opportunity to provide our input to that solution. And so um, just remember that a little bit too, that the candidate doesn't have to have all the problems figured out, but they do need to come to the table with that willingness to find a solution and not just complain all the time and be able to work with others to come up with the very best solution for our community. Karen, you are one of the diamonds here in Mansfield. Thank you for your service. You're nine years on the school board and uh, we'll see you at the polls. Yes, I've been blessed to have this opportunity too. And I truly appreciate those that have supported me through this because it's not an easy job. And so every kind word that's been shared with me, I truly treasure and know that I'm not going away. (laughs) (laughs) I I love public education. I love what it's done for my family. I love what it's done for me. And I want that legacy to continue on. So I'm so thankful to have had the opportunity to serve in this way. So thank you for letting me come back. Absolutely. Thanks for being on About Mansfield. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, we will talk with yet another outstanding person from our community, and you'll just have to tune in to find out who it is. And I give you a little hint. It's a good one. 
As always, this is the place where you hear the latest Mansfield news, sports, and weather. Until then, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, share, love, support this podcast. If you haven't already, so you never miss an episode, it's free and it's easy. Head on over to our website, aboutmansfield.com. Enter your email address right there on the homepage. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. Science reporter, Dennis Webb. Sports, Jonathan Dodd. Methodist Mansfield News to Know, Angel Biasati. Mansfield Real Estate Market Update, Beth Steinke. Cocktail of the Week, Brian Certain. Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo. This podcast is copyrighted by Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio for the private use of our audience. Any other use of this podcast without written consent is prohibited. We thank you all for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this... is about Mansfield. Mansfield.